Hello from Los Angeles, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for Sunday, January 20th of 2013. My name's Michael Benner, your host uh, this Sunday, every Sunday, for the Mystery School. Thanks a lot for uh, stopping by, whether you're here live for the webinar, the 20th at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific, 4 in the East, uh, 21 hours universal, or listening to the replay, or perhaps you've downloaded the MP3, or are a podcast subscriber, however you've arrived here, we're happy to have you here. Our topic for the day today is grief, loss, and mourning. You might say, well, that's not a very happy topic. Why are you happy to have us here for such a uh, depressing topic? Well, the truth of the matter is that grief, loss, and mourning can be very, very difficult, but it doesn't always have to be. Like anything else in life, it's really all a matter of of how you look at it, how you deal with it. I think that the nature of death is still a topic that we have a difficult time dealing with, relating to. We don't really understand it. We have our belief systems, of course, about what death is and what it's about. We often try to console each other by sharing our belief systems. Well, they're in a better place now, or they're with their loved ones in heaven. But, of course, none of us has any proof or any evidence of that, except for those people who have... I would argue, done a significant amount of meditation in their lives. And I believe experientially, meditators, especially people with some mileage, so to speak, may have a set of experiences as a result of their meditation that allow them to have, at the very least, a stronger faith in the continuity of life, which can be very, very comforting. So even though we may not know what form life everlasting takes or exactly what is the process of dying in that space between incarnations, or for one who believes in everlasting life but not reincarnation, then what is our destiny in terms of heaven, hell, limbo and purgatory and all of these other concepts. Even we've discussed in the past some of the ideas in various religions of various layers and degrees of heaven, seventh heaven, the seven heavens, the the hierarchy or layers of it. The point is, we just don't know. How could anybody know? Though, again, I will tell you, Meditation, especially over time, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years or more of meditation, I'm sure it varies for each individual, can bring you a sense of that continuity. I mean, what it really comes down to is, do we believe in the materialist view, that of most empirical scientists, that Consciousness is a phenomena of the brain, or do we believe that consciousness is independent 
of the brain and the physical body expresses through the brain, but that the mind is not limited to the brain. We often use brain and mind interchangeably when we should be more careful and more precise in our language. So then we're left with the whole idea of who are we mourning for? Who are we really grieving for when you lose someone? If you have uh, spiritual faith or religious faith, uh, they're okay, right? As you cannot kill spirit or the soul or energy. So what's the grief? What's the pain? What's the loss? Well, obviously, it's our loss. We're the ones who've been abandoned here by the person or may even be the pet. I made reference in this week's newsletter to the fact we have to deal with grief and loss, death, mourning with our pets who we love so dearly that that can be difficult. And although I've never lived on a farm, I'm sure there's young people who become attached to their farm animals. And this is one of the difficulties of living with animals in a farm, is they're always dying. In fact, sometimes they get slaughtered for the dinner table. So here's your lamb or your little calf that you loved, and all of a sudden daddy butchers it, and it's on the menu. So... These are all complicated uh, issues, complicated feelings, and I'd like to talk today here in the Free Forum about how to begin to manage some of the emotions that are associated with death and with grief and loss and, and the whole mourning process. And then we'll go into it in greater detail in the premium training that uh, follows at one thirty. I'd like to call your attention to the fact that uh, even though the vast majority of people that listen to this are listening after the fact on demand to the podcast or the streaming replay, but there's a few of us here every week, and we can take your questions, your comments. Often we do not have any participation, but if you'd like to do that, you can use the text box on the page in front of you should be down in the lower left if you're looking at the web page associated with this class today. Just type your comment in there with your first name in your city, and if you click Submit, I'll see it when I check it a few minutes from now, and I'll share your comment or your question. If it is a question, I'll do my best to respond to it. And if you're on the telephone... I'd like to be open to taking calls again, too. Star 2. If you're listening live, press star 2 on the telephone. Obviously, those on the telephone must be listening live. The replay is only available uh, streaming and downloadable and podcast. But if you're here live, you can choose to listen on the telephone or the Skype, and we can unmute you one at a time if you'd like to do that. So I sort of fell out of the habit over the months of checking those until after a class, and I do appreciate the input, but I'd like to check in a little more often and maybe encourage more people to come and, and listen live. That's why we do it live rather than pre-record these. 
Okay, so grief, loss, and mourning. I think the primary lesson that I want to share with you here and that we'll delve into in the premium training that follows at one thirty, just about 20 minutes from now, is that as frightening as it may be, the most elegant and the most effective way to deal with grief and loss and mourning is to feel your feelings fully and completely. To surrender to those scary feelings that come upon you when you grieve. And they are frightening. It feels like you're the one that's dying sometimes, depending on how you feel about the individual. It feels like some part of you has died. So strong is our connection to this person, as if uh, an arm or a leg has been pulled off of you and as if you've been hit by a truck and somehow survived, as if there is a hole in your being where this person that you know and love has been ripped away from you. And so it feels like, you know, we're some, as I say, some part of us has died or we're the ones that are dying. Hence the irony and the advice we sometimes hear to die to the feeling. It's like, oh no, isn't there enough death around here? What does that mean, to die to the feeling? What it means is to allow the feeling to have its way with you. And that can be way too scary. You may say, well, I would, if I do that, I'll be crushed. Because the feeling feels so heavy, and it's so dark, and it hurts so much. I'm afraid of it. I want to push it away. But the act of pushing away a feeling, of trying to repress it or suppress it, to ignore it or to deny it, to refuse to feel the feeling, only causes it to become enhanced. Now it hurts even more. And many people don't know this because they've never allowed themselves to die to the feeling, to surrender, if you will, to the grief, to the pain, to allow it to come over you, have its way with you, consume you, And the damnedest thing happens, you pop out the other side. Not immediately, may take some time, but it makes the process of mourning, of grieving, of adjusting to the loss more elegant. And once you've done this, as you practice it again and again, for as we age in life, more and more of our friends and family and pets die. So you'll get plenty of practice. This book that was recently made into a film, one of my favorites of the year, indeed one of my favorite films of all times, the Life of Pi, 
There's a great line in there with a ageless wisdom, really. It, it, it truly is an ageless wisdom that everything life gives you, sooner or later, it will take away from you. We don't like this. And some part of us doesn't believe it or want to believe it. What do you mean everything I get I'm going to lose? I mean, our whole lives are, in most cases, for most people anyway, about acquiring stuff. What do you mean I'm going to lose it? Well, it's one of the spiritual laws that Western religion rather ignores, but Eastern religion and philosophy certainly addresses, and that's the idea of impermanence, that in this physical world, nothing lasts. But who's going to bring you that message? Some advertiser on TV? Buy my product. It won't last. Or some corporate president or politician? You know, believe in me, we'll accomplish all of these things in your interest, but none of it will last, and sooner or later you're going to die. That's terrifying to most people. They don't want to hear it, so because we don't want to hear the concept of impermanence, we usually ignore it, and when we do encounter it, we deny it, and it may even promote the stories about what happens when we die, that nothing is really lost. Well, everything is lost that is material. And we have jokes, you know, guys put their, uh, we have sort of a gallows humor about it. People will, will say, well, you can't take it with you, or guys will put bumper stickers on their big wheel trucks that say, uh, he who dies with the most toys wins but it's tongue-in-cheek, it's sarcastic. And so we know we can't take it with us, our stuff, that we worked all of our lives to acquire, whatever it may be, the houses, the cars, the jewelry, the big-screen TV. Sorry, you can't take that big-screen TV with you. You may not need it where you're going. <laughs> If only we knew this and, and were more accepting of the way in which we tend to lose it gradually. I, I told the story that I borrowed from a documentary on Buddhism some time back about the guy describing the beautiful glass, this piece of hand-blown crystal, and what a truly beautiful object it is and the shape of the object, especially as it holds this beautiful red wine, and he holds it up to the light, and the light comes through the glass and through the wine, and it is just such an exquisite object of beauty and so marvelous to consider the great skill and care that it took to blow the glass to make this goblet and how truly beautiful and delicate it is. And then, oops, I drop it. And it shatters into a million pieces. And most people would say, oh, no, it broke. I lost it. It exists no more. And this is just a 
material object, not someone we truly love, not a flesh and blood person or an animal like a pet. But the Buddha says, well, of course. Not, of course, you clumsy oaf, you break everything, but of course it went away. Everything goes away. Your brand new car in the parking lot and some unthinking person allows a shopping cart to get out of control, and there it goes, and bam, right into your brand new $30,000, $40,000, automobile, big chip of paint, big dent, and you get all angry and upset. And a Buddhist would say, well, of course, what do you expect? It's a material thing. It's all on loan from the universe, and it's all headed to the junkyard. And why don't you grow up spiritually, be an adult, and understand and accept the impermanence of all things? You can't take it with you. Well, we don't like that. We are material beings in a material world, and we want our stuff to last. I remember my mother saying, Michael, if you take care of this, or this, and this, and this, if you take care of it, it'll last forever. No, it won't. But I will. I know that only because I've spent years and years and years and years in meditation, and I know through experience that my conscious awareness is independent of my brain and my physical body. I have that experience. But I uh, there's no way I can prove that to you other than to suggest you begin a practice of meditation or double down on your practice of meditation for the contentment and, and the peace and the feelings of safety that it provides you, these ways of knowing things that are not really of the material world. So if we can't take our cars with us and our big screen TVs and we got to leave the jewelry behind, certainly we're going to leave our friends and family behind. I understand that some religions believe that you take your body with you. They oppose cremation, for example. They think you're going to need your meat body somehow in a spiritual place of energy or spirit. You're going to drag that meat body with you. Doesn't make much sense to me. And certainly that's not what the scriptures teach, but I guess a lot of people have a hard time. I mean, a lot of it is the way Christianity is interpreted and the idea of Christ descending into heaven and so on. But be that as it may, allow people to believe whatever they want to believe. We'd... We don't want to disrespect people for their beliefs. Fine, if you think you're taking your meat body to the next life, well, good for you. Think what you wish to think. But we see in physics a simple principle of energy cannot be created or destroyed, and we know the material stuff is impermanent. It's all in rust and decay and corroding and the physical body needs to be, the human or animal body needs to be, for that matter, the plant body, needs to be perpetually replaced on the, in these kingdoms 
One could argue that for the mineral kingdom, I suppose, which even erodes. So everything is in decay, everything is in flux, nothing lasts. There's that great line by Heraclitus, one of the Greek sages who said, famously, no man steps in the same river twice, because life is always changing, it's always in flux. And so what can we take with us? And that, of course, would be love. Not so much as a feeling or an emotion, but as a level of consciousness or awareness. Love we can take with us. Our memories. And this is part of what we're going to talk about in the premium training. What can we take with us? And if we know that our memories, per se, or that love is real on the level that it does not die, in the same way energy cannot be destroyed, love is an energy, a magnetic force field that cannot be destroyed, then let's spend a lifetime acquiring that instead of the material thing. And the hows and wherefores and whys of the actual grieving and loss and mourning process? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit, too. I want to acknowledge the people that have said hello to us, in uh, Carol Postel in particular. She's left a name and an address. Well, not an address. Although, Carol, we know where you are. <laughs> Carol's in La Habra, California. We have several other people saying hi in Tennessee and Kentucky and a number of people in California, especially Southern California. And thank you for that. Uh, we have people on the phones, but no one has, quote, raised their hand. So we're going to step over to the premium training and Hope you'll join us. If you're not yet registered, just go to theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it. So the W is dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and premium training. And you can sign up for just one class for a few bucks or for a full 13-week quarter and get a real nice discount or a full year, 52 weeks, and get an even deeper discount. But in any event... You'll get the URL and the password you need, and we'll see you over there in just a few minutes. And thanks a lot for being with us. Join us next week, and we'll have another lesson for you in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Thanks again for being here. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.